0: 7-4, Tango Whiskey, 2.6 for 3000, uh, 140 on heading.
1: Welcome to Frequent Flyer here, it is Friday, December 17, 2021, This going up on Sunday, so Sunday, December, whatever Sunday would be, 2021, 19, 2021, and uh, well, Flyers lost, again, <laughs> that three game win streak against the bottom feeders of the league, that was fun, now we're back to uh, you know, losing against Montreal, who themselves is a bottom feeder, so... Awesome. But uh, plenty of stuff to break down and, uh, you know, stuff. I'm exhausted. This team is killing me. Uh, to help me talk about whatever the hell we're going to talk about tonight, Manny Benavidez is back. Manny, how you doing?
0: I'm doing great, gents. How are you? Hopefully all is good. Rising COVID cases and empty stadiums and whatnot. But don't worry, we'll find a way to make it uh, all work. Although, Although, I got to say, warning to all the Flyers fans out there to a potential phishing scam. I opened up my email, and it said, check out this Santa sack. And I I didn't check to make sure that the flyer sent it. And uh, yeah, you, you don't want to click that link, people. Just just don't. It's really bad. Santa needs manscaped in the worst way. <laughs> Not safe for work. Not safe for work. Not safe for anywhere, Is really.
1: Dave Scott saving in a bathtub or something? <laughs> oh, good lord. <laughs> And, as always, Mike Isito is here, Mike how you doing?
2: uh outstanding gentlemen. great to be with you as always. Um, uh, you know, I'm sipping on a on a very nice seasonal beer tonight, uh, the mad elf uh, from trogue's brewery, uh kind of up near actually no it's out near hershey uh, and it has this illustration of this deranged elf on it with googly eyes and a weird smile and you know it kind of reminds me of our old friend Dave Scott, just somebody who is out of his fucking mind so uh Matt Elf, here's to Dave Scott.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, the old Philadelphia Flyers lost to the Canadians last night for us in a uh, piss poor hockey game. Uh, what it was? Um, this is marks the fifth time, fifth game that Mike Yeo uh, has coached, and two of them have been very, very ugly games. The other one being the New Jersey game um, last week. And I don't want to say I was waiting for a game like last night to happen, but I was kind of waiting for a game like last night to happen because I was told that once they fired olevi you know, everything would be great and phenomenal and wonderful and, you know, losing by disgusting, lackhearted efforts every night would go away. And turns out it did not. You know, that new coach, (laughs) the new coach bump lasted all 10 days. (laughs) And, you know, I do think it's interesting that Max Willman and Jackson Cates, the two players that have something worth playing for, were the only two players that scored, the only two players that were even kind of noticeable last night. Everyone else that is just there getting paid, you know, millions of dollars to do nothing. Yeah. Yeah. Right back to being invisible again. So I don't know pointing that out on Twitter, and boy, a lot of people were like, oh, it's only one game, and this and all the people that, you know, spent last month and a half burying AV at every possible opportunity. Maybe, maybe just maybe, this goes a little bit further than Lane Vigneault. Maybe it's time to start looking at these players and their fucking lackluster efforts every night.
0: Yeah, and I mean, it goes back to I don't know who tweeted it. I think it was Jake Um, And he tweeted something about, you know, about why do people in this fan base like certain players and don't like other players and he basically talked about why flyers fans love players that are not stars quote unquote and doesn't he defend jvr all
1: the time first and foremost
0: how ironic i i I don't know i I haven't seen that but i didn't respond to the thread but i was thinking about it i go you know that's the thing with that this team is, is there's the you know you can't say a bad word about Travis Sanheim Mm-mm. or Connect. God forbid you say anything about Travis me because, my God, the the Fatal Attraction people are going to come after you. Sean Couturier is untouchable. Like, listen, I, I like Provorov, but it's fair to say that he's been disappointing this year. Like, you can't sugarcoat it. You got to call it for what it is. He's been disappointing. He's been underwhelming. <clears throat> Um, you, you really hope that a guy like Ellis comes back sooner rather than later, because I think he desperately needs, uh, you know, a partner here. I don't know if it's run- he's running out of gas, if it's a confidence thing. Like, I, I don't know. Like, I, I know that. Anyways, back to Jake Ferringer. Yeah. So he was talking about players, you know, getting this crazy amount of love. And then you sat there, you sit there and you go, yeah. And then like this, this fan base goes crazy for Scott Lawton for some reason. And I'm not saying Scott Lawton's been playing bad because he hasn't been. But these are the types of guys that you mentioned, like, you know, last trade deadline. Maybe they should trade him and get a first round pick, you know, because there's teams out there sniffing, or at worst, a second round pick. And instead, you know, this management team just signs these guys. They sign them to three, four, five year deals. And that's kind of as much of all the talk about you know, the players and everything else and the drafting, especially of this team, the organization doesn't do itself any favors because they, you know, they hand out contracts like
2: Halloween candy. Mm -hmm. I mean, I look at this Montreal game and what does this say about who this team is? You know, they, they tended to mitigate their 10 game losing streak by, you know, scoring some goals against um, uh, Colorado's uh, fourth or no third or fourth string goalie. So the offense came to life there. Then uh, I guess they go out to Vegas. They beat a backup goalie. Uh, They beat a backup goalie in a putrid Arizona team. Uh, And then they come home against the devils the other day. And the entire team apparently is sick said Lindy Ruff, their head coach, including Mackenzie Blackwood, who was like deathly ill and Ruff said something along the lines of, well, When you're sick, you still got to go to work sort of thing. And it showed because Blackwood was atrocious in that game. So the Flyers come back and, you know, they get some wins there. They score some goals, I guess, against some basically AHL level competition. And then, you know, they go up to Montreal to continue this, I guess, this winning streak, which I wouldn't really even call it, but they don't even show up. I mean, like you mentioned, Dan, it's just the entire forward core did nothing except for Kate's. And Wilman, which is ridiculous, because those guys are fringe players anyway. Where the hell is the leadership on the team? You know, you fired the coach, you get the new coach bumped for a little while, and you get and you go up there. It's just oh, acceptable loss. Hey, it's a schedule loss. You know, we we didn't want to travel up there. We had a tough road trip. Fuck that. It, it's just absurd amount of energy. Just it says all you need to see about this team is you take this game in context, and it's like, well. They're not going anywhere because they have efforts like this.
1: JJ and Jonesy last night were like, oh, you know, they're on the road and there's no fans. That's why they're not playing well. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, I, you're yeah, in yeah. Montreal. You're not even in Philadelphia getting the home field advantage. Like, you're on the road That's for okay. fuck's sake. Who does it give a shit if there's fans or not? And actually, the goal of the road team is
0: let's take the fans out out of the game in the first 10 minutes. So, like, if you look around, if you listen and you go, wow, there's no... Nobody's making a peep. Oh, that's because there's nobody here. Like, that should be an advantage for the Flyers, technically. Now, it must have been a little bit, you know, jarring for these players to look up in the crowd and see an empty bell center. Probably the only person that they saw was Anthony DeMarco, who was up in the press box, um, covering that game. But... I gotta say, I didn't watch the Montreal game. Lucky you. Um, reading about it and just the effort level, and it goes back to the favorite players thing that I referenced earlier. When Cates and Willman are the two goal scorers, and by all accounts they played pretty well. Um, I think Atkinson played pretty well from what I heard, and but Cart was the Carter Hart was was the star. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Again, if that guy didn't show up they would have been buried and they wouldn't have even gotten that point on the bright side, they got the point, but on the downside, people attach themselves to guys like Max Wilman Willman because he's giving an effort. He's doing what he's supposed to do. He's hungry. He wants to earn his ice. He wants to continue playing in his NHL career in the national hockey league. And you got to respect that. I don't respect seeing and hearing from people on Twitter that the flyers just were pedestrian and really couldn't give two shits about this game. Montreal is less than a two hour flight from Philadelphia. It's maybe an hour and a half. Maybe I know, I know Toronto to Montreal is about an hour. So there's no way you could say, sit here and say, well, was the travel. Oh, they were jet lag. No, you could do a two hour flight and you could literally go from the airport and play a hockey game. It's not that bad. You're not crossing time zones. You're not doing any of this stuff. It was just a poor effort. And unfortunately that's become kind of part and parcel and synonymous with this hockey
2: club. And that's the sad thing. Mm -hmm. It's totally acceptable. And you know, I'm glad that this game went into a shootout because we cycle this topic every now and then. And I'm glad because it deserves, you know, some criticism, actually quite a bit of criticism. The Flyers obviously lose again in a shootout because they're historically the worst team in the NHL and that. And for some reason, they just refuse to get better. Um, you know, you look at a guy like a Sean Couturier in the shootout here. And again, he has a just putrid attempt. Um, you know, skates oh up, my God. He shoots he it right, in, shoot right the right into Primo's pads. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, there's no moves. Like I don't, I don't understand this because now, now I haven't played hockey at that level, but I have played competitive sports where there are, you know, penalty shots and whatnot. And I used to be pretty good at those when I played lacrosse and when, when I played soccer and You can practice that stuff. It's not that hard. You come up with a couple of different moves. You get out there. You don't even really need anybody with you, but just some practice time. And you come up with like, I don't know, five or six different moves, you know, figure out a plan and you just do them over and over and over again and execute them for the life of me. I cannot understand. Why no players on this team, maybe Giroud, he has some moves, nobody else does, why they can't practice that and develop it. I mean, it's not that difficult. It's just repetition and putting some time into it. And you see these shootouts time and time again. These players go up, and it looks like they don't even care. They just want to get back to the bench so the other guy can do it for them. Yeah. What? What the hell kind of competitiveness is that? Don't be like, oh, it's a skills competition. Like that's supposed to absolve them because they have no skill? Come on, <laughs> Yeah. I
1: mean,
2: it's part of the game. Like figure it out. You
1: go to any it. go to your local ice rink and ask any six year old to try a shootout move, and they'll do something far more creative than Sean Couturier does, which is just gum some limp dick fucking wrist and it just <laughs> barely hits the pad. It's like what the fuck? Exactly. Yeah, he doesn't even wind up and take a shot. It's like the the most piss-poor wrist shot you've ever seen. I, just, I don't even stop. I don't get it. How hard is it to try something creative when it comes to a shootout? And nobody does it. Katerina is just an awful. Why do they even let him shoot anyway? If he ever lines up a shootout to get his career, I'm going to lose my shit. Okay? I don't understand. Fuck. I realize you don't have a whole lot of offensive creativity on this team, but you can't fight anybody better than Sean Couturier to shoot in the first place. Who were the three last night, was it? It was Couturier, Drew Atkinson, right? Like, Drew's was bad. God. Unfortunately. Was Drew's the only one that has any kind of creativity to, to, yeah. to make it happen. I mean, maybe fairby but he's not even here right now. But, like, Jesus Christ. Put Justin Braun out there or something over Sean Couturier at this point. He'd be more creative. Fuck. See, see, and the thing with the shootout is everybody bitches
0: about it, and I get why. It, it it's it's not a, a five on five. It's not a team versus team. It's a, it's a it's a shooter versus a goaltender. So that's what where the, it's a skills competition. But you do need to extend the three on three overtime to like ten minutes, and then worst case scenario is then you go to the shootout. Yeah. I'm never going to advocate a shootout in a playoff game, ever. There's no place for it. Certainly not in North American sports anyway. When you get to something like soccer, it gets to the point now where coaches don't even pick the players anymore to go and take the shots because at the end of the day, studies show that it's about confidence more than anything. So if a player goes up there and there's, a lot more pressure in a soccer game, even mm-hmm. though the net's bigger and all that stuff. But like, if you're walking up there, you can pretty much, if you look at the guy's, you know, eyeballs, or if it's a you know, female soccer game, you look at the, the woman's eyeballs and you basically could tell if they're feeling it or if they're not feeling it. And, if a player goes up there and doesn't really want to take the shot chances are they're going to miss or at least there's a higher chance that they're going to miss them it's a great point so if i'm on the bench i'm literally sitting there going like you know what i'm not even going to put and i know they have to fill out a lineup card but i'm literally passing that you know pad and paper down the bench and i'm saying you guys write the names of who's going to do this because i'm not going to pick if you don't feel like you have it tonight and you don't want to go up there then don't go because you're just going to be embarrassing yourself and the team just don't do it if somebody like a max willman wants to go and take a penalty shot in the shootout, you know what go for it may as well let him go last night you're confident you scored a goal dude kid get out there make it happen Like, that's what I'd rather see. I like it more in the shootout when they get into, like, the second round and the third round. And you see, like, the third and fourth line guys. That's who you really get excited because you want to see what they can do. And that's when, like, the best shootout goal of all time was, what, Merrick Malik? And you sat there and you went, whoa, where did that move come from? Where he stuck the puck between his legs with the stick. And you went, where did that guy come from? Never seen that guy do anything even remotely like that. You gotta have confidence and want to take those shots, yeah. and I'm just not getting that vibe from a lot of these Flyers players.
2: Any of them? It's it's just bizarre. I just don't. I cannot fathom why each and every player on this team, you know, Sands, fuck, throw Carter Hart out there. I mean, he'd be better. <laughs> Send yeah. him down the ice to shoot, then go back to the net to block one. But it's like I can't imagine why they cannot just take some practice to Go to the rink by yourself. They got all the all the private ice they want. Go and just spend, you know, some time to develop three, four, five different types of shootout moves, repeat them over and over them and get them in your head so you can mimic them and do them live in a game. I I, I cannot understand why that is so difficult for every player in this organization to do. It's inexplicable to me.
0: And isn't it funny that all the people that call everyone dinosaurs for, you know, not there's too much skill, which I understand that argument. But yet you look at a shootout where you have all the time in the world to do whatever move you want, as long as the puck is making forward progress. There's absolutely an absence of skill of of skill out there in a shootout scenario. So you sit there and you go, then that means that there's fundamentally an issue with this team.
2: Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. It's been constructed as if it it's been constructed without skill because we're in a skills competition and you're failing. You're the worst in the league at it. So what does that say? <laughs> 200 nuts. foot players.
1: Yeah. yeah. It's a team with like too much depth and not enough stars, you know? And this is always the thing we talked about this lot last year when they would shake up the lineups, you know, seemingly every game and, it's just rearranging chairs, because you don't have really have any true top-line players. Maybe Giroux, but even at this point in his career, he's probably best served in him. But th- it's just a bunch of, like, middle six guys. It's just a bunch of dudes that exist, you know. Uh, nobody's a star, nobody can stand out, nobody does shit besides just fade into the crowd. And I guess in terms of depth, like, yeehaw, but if you got no stars, having a bunch of middling nobodies doesn't mean fucking anything at the end of the day. It's just, it's so painfully obvious that they're lacking so much talent up front. You know, they've got a few players, you know, Giroux can still go from time to time. Atkinson gets hot, you know, Farabee is fine. Hopefully Allison can come back soon and and keep this kind of energy level up. But like, fuck, it's just so painfully obvious that they're lacking like three or four legitimate star players up front that are like game-changing players. They just don't have any of that right now. All your goddamn forwards are old and broken down and talentless pieces of shit. (sighs) So frustrating. (laughs) So frustrating.
2: Yes, it's absolutely true. I don't know if you guys, you know, speaking of that, um, had a chance to listen to the Paul Maurice uh, press conference today when he resigned as the head coach of Winnipeg Jets. Um, I took a listen to it, and it it was really, really interesting. You know, he said – he had a couple of quotes. I mean, first of all, you never see that happen in professional sports at all. A coach who's been there for eight, nine years, largely been successful, but can never take the team to the next level, kind of like the Flyers generally. Um, and he just basically steps down and says, look, I've had enough. This is the best I can do. And I can't get us. I can't get it to the next level. He said a quote to start off the press conference that was so apt to what this flyers organization is what this player group is and he said made an analogy that it's like you have this rock at the bottom of a mountain and you're trying to push it up to the top and eventually you get like halfway up or three quarters of the way up and you realize i can't go any further this is absolute maximum i can go and you have to either stop or let someone else do it and that's kind of exactly what we've seen with the flyers for the past decade or so spinning their wheels they've gotten you know halfway up the mountain roughly but they know and paul maurice knew he could never take them up to the summit and it's the same thing here um it is unbelievable really that our our roster here in philadelphia has has that kind of parallel you know he had some other quotes that i thought were really interesting I'll, i'll let you guys know too he goes i'm better positioned than anyone to know that we need a new voice and you need that after eight or nine years He said, you need someone to help them get to that next place. Not necessarily more experienced, but a different voice. It's the right time for it. Fans, all of you deserve better than what I can do. You need to win championships. None of my teams fell off a cliff. You know, (laughs) the Flyers have fallen off a cliff a couple of times. I bet
1: A.V.'s kicking himself that he didn't think of resigning like a year ago.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I mean, you could take these quotes and apply them – to the Flyers players, they've been here for so long like, you're not going anywhere, it's so obvious that this has hit a point where you cannot advance that rock up the mountain yes. anymore Yep. so, exactly. I thought it was a really refreshing quote, I was like, yeah, this applies here too
1: yep, it's the same group of players that have been here for fucking ever oh, well, it's only Giroud and Couturier. first of all, that's not great by itself that Giroud and Couturier have been here for at least 10 years now, with nothing to fucking show for it but so much of this roster, and that's the thing, like, the Sanheim and Konechny, Provorov, JVR, like, all these fucking people have been here for years now, five, six years. That's a long time to keep people together that have no fucking modicum of success. No, Scott Lawton is in his
2: ninth season of yeah. the Flyers.
1: Yeah, 2012 he was drafted. <laughs> it's, just, it's unbelievable that these fucking people have been together so long. And can't do it. And, you know, Fletcher, and everybody, point, well, Chuck Fletcher overhauled the roster. Sure, he overhauled part of it. He got rid of Jake Borachek. But, like, beyond that, all the people that I feel like we've had the biggest problems with, being the Sandheims and Konechnys of the world, are still here. They're still here. Like, you, om- if you're Fletcher, you almost have no choice but to go after those players this summer and flip them now <laughs> and do a full 100% con- flip, uh, conversion of the roster. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, over the last year. Uh, uh, if they had more money and more time this past summer, I wonder if he would have done more. Like, if there was no hard cap and the cap kept rising, you had more room and space, maybe there could have been more. But, you know, he did everything that you could have done. And, you know, obviously Ellis has been on the shelf for fucking all year now. But, uh, I don't know. It just feels like everything's so stale with this forward crew. And Anthony and I were talking about this the other day. It's just a mess. They've tried every possible combination of players at some point or another over the last year. Nothing works. Nothing has success. Giroud's the only person still, after all this time, that can spark any kind of offense here. It's just, it's so fucking frustrating looking at the complete lack of talent. The complete lack of star power that can come in here and win you fucking hockey games. And on top of that, you're tied to all these people for fucking years yet. Years. Everyone, all the forwards are signed until like 2027 at the earliest. It's like, Jesus Christ. You can't even go out and update if you wanted to because you got all these guys making an obscene amount of money for the long term. It's just... God, that's where this hopelessness feeling stems from, is looking at this roster and being like, Jesus Christ, there's no easy way out of this. You know, you're stuck. You're absolutely stuck. If you go for a rebuild, it's going to take you forever to tear this shit down. You got five years losing in front of you. Just to even try and make a change. And if not, how are you even going to make any additions to this roster with the current state they're in to begin with? I just, it's so fucking frustrating that after all these years we're still stuck in neutral in the same place we were in like 2014 hell we may have been better off in 2014 than we are now see
0: and i agree i i still think that ultimately the the only way for this team to go forward is to start shedding some serious salary and unfortunately that means it starts with claude Giroux at the trade deadline Mm -hmm. and and again I know he has the ultimate say, I get that, but, and I'm not even saying that they should, but I think ultimately for this team to do what, what, what should be done. And the best thing for this team going forward is you have to take advantage of the strength of this year's draft and especially next year's Mm -hmm. draft, because it's going to be a really talent laden draft. These two drafts back to back, I don't know if there's going to be much of a comparable in terms of two drafts with this much talent. Um, in the Flyers will draft Nolan Patrick 2.0. See, and that's it's, the thing: is drafting 15th, it's not really going to. No, it'll. It's gonna. It's you will do something. It's another
1: dude, it's... At another Sanheim, another me, <clears throat> another you know Morgan for Ver- another four years. Yeah,
0: yeah. <clears throat> well, next year, I don't think it's going to be like that. I think it would be you'd get somebody better than that, mm-hmm. but. But still, that's where it kind of starts. And yeah. if this team is, again, still you know, having games like this, this game against Montreal, the frustrating thing is they had their 10-game losing streak. A coach got fired because of it, along with an assistant coach. And by all accounts, players were upset about that. You can't go on a 3 game winning streak and start feeling good about yourselves and 3 quarters of this fan base is already talking about making the playoffs mm-hmm. and making a push and adding Jacob Chikrin because now we're going to we're <laughs> going to go to the Eastern Conference final and rip shit up mm-hmm. you, you, and then you come out with a stinker like that against the Habs like that's where like listen it's one thing you're going to lose games from time to time but you—if you lose a game and you outshoot a team, you know forty to twenty-eight, and you obviously deserve to win, but for whatever reason you lost three-two in a shootout. Fine, those games happen. But when you look at a game like yesterday, and and the effort level and all that, it shouldn't happen against a team like the. Hats in
1: right terms now. of effort level, the Montreal game may have been the worst of the season. And there have been a lot of pretty shitty games this year, but that Montreal game may have been rock bottom in terms of effort level, especially the first period. It was pathetic. Absolutely pathetic. And that's what you get for building up a three-game win streak against two teams that are worse than you are, and the Vegas game, which you absolutely deserve to lose, but it was a classic Carter Hart game of stopping, you know, what would have been six or seven goals. You know? Great, you beat the Coyotes. woohoo! Who gives a shit? And the Blackwood fucking, uh, Blackwood and his fucking COVID New Jersey Devils over there. I just whatever. I, it, I um, it's a total farce. Uh, yeah, you know this is just
2: total farce. And that you know that got them those those crappy wins as we mentioned you know a little bit earlier just got them back to oh oh hey we, you know we're on the we're in the win column now. But you look at everything, it's like really this doesn't really mean all that much. And they go right back down the toilet yep. against Montreal. And the thing is, is that this is we've been saying this for years. It goes back to management. You need management to make the decision to choose the direction of the organization here. And like, they gotta know where the sweet spot is in terms of mortgaging the future to make the actual run or totally pulling it back and tearing it down to take advantage of some good drafts as Manny mentioned that are coming up here. And they we really, really, really need the organization to do that at this point because I, I don't know how much more obvious it gets. It, it cannot get any more obvious after this Montreal game. And the Flyers are facing the Senators, which we're doing our show a little before that game on Saturday. But I wouldn't be surprised if they get shellacked in that game as well.
1: Apparently Ottawa's been kicking ass and taking names lately by mm-hmm. some pretty hefty teams.
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, they've got some good talent on that team, and they're developing. And I wouldn't be surprised if if they rock the Flyers who were, who were probably going to be playing a sleepy Saturday night game with which we've seen before. They
1: shut out the Lightning last Saturday for nothing. They beat the Panthers 8-2 to uh, on Tuesday. So, you know, they've been, they've ever been around. Since, beat the Canadians ever since, uh, the Avalanche the other week. So Ever since Kachuk dudes. got his hand bit. <laughs> yeah, He's been scoring goals like a fiend. I think that's the plot <laughs> to the new Spider-Man movie. It may be. It probably is. <laughs> Who's the guy that bit Kachuk? Um, the guy, Sam Rand punched Lemieux. out. What the hell was his name? Lemieux? Lemieux yeah, Lemieux? Lemieux. yeah.
2: Well, I mean, the thing is, you know, this also goes back to, um, I guess the broad street bag movement, which, uh, you know, a lot of us have embraced throughout the past week here or so. And, you know, everybody has kind of gets their own definition of it, but in terms of, in terms of the way I think of it is, I'm going to keep my bag on until this team decides to choose a direction. And, I was clamoring. <laughs> You're never going to have a regular avenue, yeah, right. waited Yeah, I mean, you may never see me again. i going to see a fucking bag on my head. And, and the one thing, I would take the bag off if the Flyers submitted the letter. And I was saying this, I guess, last week was, I just want the letter. I put a screenshot of what the Rangers did a couple of years ago with their letter. And they had some great, great passages from it, which I want to read to you guys here. They go... As we approach the trade deadline and into the summer, we will be focused on adding young, competitive players that combine speed, skill, and character. This may mean we lose some familiar faces, guys we all care about and respect. While this is part of the game, it's never easy. Our promise is that our plans will be guided by our singular commitment, ensuring we build the foundation for our next Stanley Cup contender. That – I want to hear that. If the Flyers said that, I'd be like, yes, thank you. Exactly. I totally agree. I'm on board. Let's do this together. Fantastic. But, like – they're not going to submit that. And look what the Rangers did. They submitted the letter. They took three years, and now they're kicking ass and taking names. I mean, come on. Like, that's fun to watch. And at the end of the day, sometimes rebuilds can be kind of fun. You get into the draft, you get into, you know, starting from scratch, finding those core pieces. Like, there's a lot of value and a lot of fun in that. There's no fun in what the Flyers do right now. No fun at all. <laughs> so wow. give us the letter. Just send the damn letter, and this all goes away
1: just rebuilding the right way. Like, the the Hextall rebuild, you know, he sold a bill of goods there at the beginning, the fucking snake oil salesman. And like, he fucked it all up. But if you do it right, and you strip this team down to the bare fucking bones and get whatever you can for everybody on this team and start from scratch, and you take advantage of these next few drafts and work up big, and you keep, you know, Faraby, Allison, and York, and Zamula. I fucking love your Zamula. But, like, keep those four... And just get rid of everybody else and build through the draft and sign a big name free agent or two, which is the people... I've seen people, Well, oh, the Rangers didn't do the Well, the Rangers fucking signed Artemi Panarin and Jacob Truba, you know, because they fucking can, because they're smart about it. They didn't trade for fucking Ryan Ellis, you idiots. But, you know, it seems like the Devils, like, they're building through the draft. And, yeah, they've had some misses here and there, but they're getting guys like Hamilton. They've got, like, an obscene amount of money coming up this summer as well to make yeah. some big moves. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you just... That's what you do, You know, you utilize those ELCs so you have money to attract guys like Dougie Hamilton in the first place. If you put on the show of this is a young team with a Jack Hughes and a Nico Heischer and a Pavel Zaka and all these guys are building towards the future and you want somebody like Hamilton to come in and push over the top, you got it. You know, that's how you do this shit. This isn't just fucking, oh, well, we don't want to add anybody, but we just want to draft players to the end of time. We want to draft German Rubsoff and wait 15 years from show up into the NHL. (laughs) You know, you need that mix of draft picks, but also adding legitimate true free agents. And, you know, Fletcher, unfortunately, just waited too goddamn long to pull the trigger and make all these moves. If he did this two, three years ago, you know, maybe we would have been salvaged something a little different back then. But right now, like, I think the, I'm just not convinced the Flyers do it. I think the best outlook for yeah, this team don't. is tearing it down and rebuilding. But I don't have any faith at all that they sell anybody at the mm-hmm. year. I'm not even convinced leaves at the trade deadline. I'm not convinced she relieves yeah. at all. You know? Like, it just doesn't feel like that's the direction this organization's mm-hmm. going down. It feels like they're going the complete 180, and they're going to try whatever they can do at the deadline, and especially in the summer, mm-hmm. to try and continue to overhaul and push them in the right direction, which is just, as you mentioned with Paul Murray's trying to push that fucking boulder uphill and not get anywhere.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I've got a question for you guys. And actually, I think I know your answer, Dan, because you mentioned it on a previous show with Anthony. But Manny, I'm interested on your take on this. You know, speaking of the rebuild versus not rebuilding and and just staying the course, how far would the Flyers have to get this year to convince you that a rebuild is not necessary? God. Um... What would they have to show you?
0: They would have to show me that they are a legitimate playoff team. And you got to go beyond the first round for sure. That's an absolute must. Um, If you lose in the second round, but you get curb stomped, even if in seven games like the Islanders did to us. Oh, but it was seven games, but they didn't look like they were going to win that series. At least if you looked like you were the better team, then there's a there maybe, but I think I think the final four is the is the real litmus test. You got to go a little bit further than you've ever gone, and I just I think that that's unrealistic even with this team. I mean, we'll see what this team's all about when if and when they make the the playoffs, uh, and and what that would look like. And that's very unlikely. But I don't know. I just I don't see how this team. Even with all of the overhaul that they did in the off season, is going to be that much better in the postseason. They're going to go as far as Carter Hart takes them, which is the exact same answer uh, as it was, you know, two years ago or three years ago during the pandemic when this started.
1: How put they but one complete sixty-minute effort together during the regular season that's it <laughs> state like, of course yeah if you can fucking even show me that at this point which i'm not convinced they will like, then we'll talk but for now it's like fuck you just got your <laughs> shit kicked in by the canadians who have like six wins on the year yeah, like six, come yes, on seven. jesus christ that's an effort level thing that that's like that it wasn't even like a close game that they lost they had no business winning that game. The fact that they led 2-1 at point was insane. Yes, <laughs> you know? Right. Like, the Canadians it's... probably should have won that game like 7 nothing. But again, fucking Carter Hart saved him. If Carter Hart was on a good team this year, if he was like behind the Lightning, he'd be a shoe in for the Vezina. Yeah, so, Absolutely. So then... But he's in Philadelphia, and he sucks! This guy deserves so much better than this shit. That fucking poor bastard stuck behind this team. God damn it. There was a there was an interesting question related to
0: rebuilds on a different podcast, and I sat there thinking about it because it was kind of a it was a head scratcher. Can you honestly do a full rebuild and keep Carter Hart in Philadelphia?
1: Sure, he's only twenty three. Of course you can. If you do, but if right. he's
0: stopping pucks the way that he is,
2: but if he's saving pucks and stopping pucks the way that he's he going to win
1: too many games.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, maybe I can see that. I also look at like Anaheim, like with Gibson, and he's been right. he's yeah. been pretty damn good throughout yeah. their whole thing. And now I, Anaheim's going to make a push in the Western Conference this year. They look pretty damn good. I've been I've been betting them almost every night. I'm making some good money on the Ducks. They've got so
1: money far. and prospects to burn. I, they were in my Zuru landing spot piece. They've got like ten point yeah. six million dollars at the trade deadline. Yeah, like they could make I mean, some noise if they wanted to.
2: Yeah, like. I do see that I think that goalies can kind of play a little bit more in a vacuum themselves and say, all right, well, as long as I give up, you know, a two point, whatever goals a game and we still lose, then whatever, because we can't score for shit. But uh, at the same time, yeah, I guess it could be that hard unless he's like, you know, freaking like Patrick Wah or something. he's not on that level, but um, I would probably, I would probably, I keep him, and see if you can make it through, because if they do this properly, like most other teams do, you can get out of this and, you know, probably three, four or five years max. And he's still in his 20s at that point. Um, yeah, that's probably where I stand on it, I guess. But it's a good question. Well,
0: well, you know, guys, you know why Anaheim's doing so well. It's this damn Anthony Stolarz. We shouldn't have given him away. He's got a 932 save percentage.
2: Hell, yeah. Hell, yeah. Stoli the goalie. <laughs> if we had yeah. him
0: in Gossesburg, we'd be, like, second in the
2: Metro. Nah. This would be a goalie graveyard for him, man. He would have not survived this crap here. This is just a – I mean, this team is honestly – it's just a mindfuck for all these players that come on. I mean, so they had, obviously, a 10-game losing streak. Was this their second 10-game losing streak in the past, what, three years, I think? Yeah. Uh, How is that possible? Are there other teams that you know of, Manny, that have done that? I can't, like, frequently? Not
0: not, (laughs) not on teams that have any hope of making the playoffs.
2: Yeah. Like, when the Leafs were, like,
0: atrocious and in the draft lotteries and all that stuff, yeah, I mean, they would lose a whack a game. I don't think they ever lost 10, but they definitely lost 6 quite a few times, 7, maybe even 8.
2: How do you have... How do you have all these 10-game losing streaks within a handful of seasons and you keep the band together? Like what are you doing here? Like there's something there's something wrong with this. It's just you got to bring in new people here. Like that is just embarrassing. Like your organization is embarrassed like at least once every year or two because they're on these massive losing streaks, and you can keep the same guys.
0: <laughs> there, there is no embarrassment. It's just we are what we are. It, yeah, that's, it. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's it, all man. it is. That's it. They're an absolute it.
1: embarrassment. That's what they are.
0: It's like it's it's like it's like it's like at a barbecue, and you know, some people are some dads are talking. They go, Ah, uh, you know, my son just got accepted to Yale Law School. I'm, I'm so proud of the young guy. And then the other one goes, Yeah, uh, my son, he stole a car, and he's in jail for the next two years. But, you know, so proud of him. You know, we are what we are. You know, (laughs) like, you can't really say that. Like, it's just, ah, you know, I I was Elliot Friedman, I was listening tonight uh, on the way home from work, and he played us a clip of Brad Marchand uh, in some, I don't know, Bruins, like behind the scenes kind of video show that they're doing. And uh, Brad Marchand addressed the locker room, including all the young players, like AHL players and stuff. And he's like, You guys are all here to push me and to push Patrice and to push, you know, Mc- uh, all- McAvoy and all these other guys. Wow. If you're not pushing us, then we don't want you here. Like, if you're not going to put phenomenal. in effort and if you're not going to actually be here, being good isn't good enough.
1: We have to be the best. You need to be the best to win the Stanley Cup.
2: No one's ever said that in this life. Can you
1: imagine if that came out about this team? everybody be, oh my God, he hurt his feelings. Oh, my yeah. feelings. Oh, my God. Yeah. He hurt yeah. feelings. That's,
2: Shut the what fuck up! Pro- that's what Chris Pronger used to say. Don't listen to him.
1: <laughs> oh, God.
2: Gosh, guys, that's a great quote, Manny. I mean, that is so phenomenal like that kind of drive that kind of leadership to instill that motivation in your players coming up through the system the guys that are trying like yeah and that's exactly right you should be trying to push the older guys out do everything you can i cannot imagine anyone on this team ever saying that in the past i don't know how many years and it shows and it shows because the young players play the same stagnant sluggish inconsistent style that all the other guys do that either Couturier, Voracek, even Giroux, that Simmons did sometimes, Shen did. Uh, all these guys. Scott I think Rodden, shit ABR, really hit the
1: fan when Simmons left. I think he was like the should. last piece that held that team together from a leadership perspective.
0: Yeah, but the thing is that they kept him for
1: at least... Oh, his play was long. brutal. They should yeah. have got rid of him like a year at yeah, least before. But in terms nothing. of leadership, he was the last one that like seemed to bring it out of him. From a, from a perspective, I don't know. It's yeah. been downhill See, since.
0: And he was never the best player. But he, when he was in Philly, he was one of my favorites. Because whenever he was out on the ice, you could tell he gave it an honest effort. He would forecheck. He would drop the gloves. He would defend a teammate. He'd score a goal. He'd do the things that needed to get done. And that's the thing that you appreciated about a guy like Wayne Simmons. Like Everybody's different. Not everybody can be the highlight reel, you know, Carol Kaprizov kind of player that everybody wants, um, you know, in, on Flyers Twitter. But at least if you give an effort and you do your role, you do your job and you contribute to the overall package of what this team is,
1: the team will be successful more often than not. That guy you mentioned earlier, that Faringer guy, he used Wayne, uh, Wade Allison as the example of like, why That's do players get attached to medium players? And it's like, Wade Allison is one of the few people I've ever seen in the last five years that gave a shit every fucking time he was on that ice. I've had the pleasure of watching him twice in Lehigh Valley Live now and I fucking love the guy. I don't think people that watch the game on TV can appreciate what he does unless you watch him every night. He's so fucking energetic and so fucking good. Life that I haven't seen on the Flyers in well over a decade at this point, okay? So, fuck off! Wade Allison's gonna be great. No, he may not be an elite scorer, he may not be an elite player, he may have the fucking stamina of Scott Hartnell at this point, but Jesus Christ, if he goes out there and works his ass off, he's going to be appreciated. Why do you think everybody loves Zach McEwen this year? Because he's the only fucking person trying on a regular basis. Jesus Christ, this isn't difficult. Like, there's a reason I don't like people like Travis Konechny. It's not because he's not often talent. It's because he's a worthless piece of shit. A scumbag. Out there to make faces at fucking people without playing hockey. People like Allison that are going to go out there every shift and make it fucking count. That want to be there. That want to have fun. That's what this is about. Those are the players that I appreciate as a fan. And those are the players that are going to be the difference makers out there. Jesus Christ. This isn't rocket science. It's not, it's just simple motivation. Has anybody out there ever played a team sport? Like do you not? I, I Oh my God. I could rant it's about just, this forever.
2: It's just too stale. I mean, I mean like we keep harping on, it's just the team is just too stale. You have to let new leaders emerge and let a new group try to steer the ship yeah and it's just the same guys over and over again and for as much as I like Claude Giroux and for as productive as he's been I mean dude you're in your 15th season man the same franchise like go listen to Paul Maurice's speech man like you push the damn boulder up far enough you can't get it any further it's time to wave the no movement clause go just let Nobody's someone even else here to take, take his
1: baton though Right, Like, true, true. Konechny failed miserably, that's never going to work out. Maybe Farabee, like, he's young enough where it makes sense, but, like, you don't have that guy in your system that's the next Claude Giroux. <laughs> Except Morgan Frost. <laughs> but, like, beyond that, like nobody, none of these kids, even, as yeah. much as I love White Allison, I don't think any of these guys are the future Claude Giroux. Once Giroux leaves, and you take away that last little bit of offensive prowess that's left, oh my god, they're going to be painful to watch.
2: I mean, that could be a good thing though. Cause maybe it forces them to bottom out, you know, Yeah, maybe. and it says, you know what, we're going to see if these guys sink or swim. And if they sink, then fantastic. We're going to be, you know, in a top, top two, three pick. And we're able to get in that Mitch Bedard sweepstakes chain, right? Sweepstakes this year. Uh, and maybe it's the best medicine for them, you know, is to, we're just going to force this team to sink or swim and just, you know, let the chips f- fall where they may. Um, that's kind of how I think they should do it. Um, but you're right. I mean, there's clearly, they clearly fail. They shit the bed when it comes to bringing in his successor. They had 10 years essentially to do it, and they couldn't figure out any way to do it. Um, it's just nobody wanted to make a move in management. Nobody wanted to put their ass on the line to try something. It was just, okay, hey, put the little band aid on over Oh, yeah, put a little band aid on over here and see what, it's just. And at some point, it's just, you know. You can't put a Band-Aid on somebody who loses their arm. you got to put a new fucking arm on them, so.
1: <laughs> we talked about that on Flyers AD. Like, when you fill one hole on this team, two others open up, and it's just it's impossible to, to seem to fix everything at once here and, you know, to overhaul the offense again. And this goes back to the Chitrin thing that, you know, we were talking about yesterday and, you know, the hot topic lately. And it's like, sure, I'd love Jake Chitrin. He seems like a good addition, somebody worthwhile of adding, but, like, Is it worth selling whatever you have left on the farm for somebody like that that doesn't ultimately make a difference? You know what I mean? Like, he's a left-handed defenseman. You already have multiple. If he was a righty, fine. If he was a forward, fine. But it just doesn't make any goddamn sense dumping the last few bits you have left in the farm on somebody like that who ultimately just is not going to make a difference in the overall cause right now. Yeah.
0: No, and you're right. And that's a, a position of strength that the Flyers have, which you don't the really only need one, to address. The right. So you sit there and you go, OK, so what would it take to get a guy like that? And by all accounts, the asking price is catastrophic. Yes,
1: that's what I've heard. <laughs> and
0: like and, 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 yeah, Elliot Freeman said that like two guys yeah. told him, uh, you know, it's a lot like we're out. There's no way that we can we can get there. So, like, these people on Twitter are like, well, we'll give
1: Sanheim... Sanheim, in a first. And it's like, first of all, it's the Coyotes. They're not going to bring on your 25-year-old waste of fucking times. Ah! They're going to want York, Faraby, uh, Allison, your first-round picks, K- Carter Hart, like, whatever the fuck you want. Anybody uh, between 20 to 23 years old, they're going to take... They're not going to take your pieces-of-shit players that are 25 years old! Oh, God.
0: Yeah, I'd say it's York Fairbairn being a first. At that, least that's where it would it would kind of start. Yeah. yeah, and then we go from there. But again, then you got to ask yourself, why are the Coyotes even entertaining this? Like because they don't need to trade the guy. Like he's under contract for another three years at I think four point six a season. Like something like that, yeah. He, he's not going anywhere. Like. <laughs> you're already having problems with the lease and an arena and these whispers of Houston and other, and like no fans. Like now you're going to trade one of your young guys, marketable young guys, like guys, the only young guy they have that's worth a shit. Uh. And it's like, why, like, why would you even entertain that? Like for what purpose? So that you can get another lottery pick like next year. Is that what the game is? Like, they're already pathetic. Like if you look at the, if you look at the NHL standings, like yeah. I was looking, I'm like, okay, there's the Flyers, all right, there's the Islanders, and whoa, <laughs> the Coyotes have like 12 mm, points. They're
2: bad. Yeah.
0: Like, but they I have don't Shane Bear. Yeah, exactly. I don't care how many points Shane bear has more points than that freaking team. That That's team's really pathetic. True. They probably like, have more points got, than the Flyers. It's embarrassing. <laughs> like they're legit tanking. They are legit tanking, and nobody's saying anything about it. Like they don't deserve to get that lottery pick, but they're gonna get it for crying out loud because they are they are shit. Yeah, probably
1: some metro team that gets it. And the Islanders are yeah. is some bullshit.
0: Yeah. Oh, that's all we need is the Islanders to get Shane right now.
1: I mean, they very well could.
2: They have one bad year. I mean, it's kind of like what Winnipeg did to get line a, You know, back then, back in the day, they had one bad year where they got a high pick and they scored a huge difference maker in the draft. You know, go figure. But uh, I don't know, at least to me when it comes to, you know, making those big trades, I think the train has left the station on that stuff. The Flyers have had so many opportunities. There's been so many big names that have changed teams over the past couple of years where the Flyers really should have made a play, you know, specifically like a Jack Eichel, um, even even a Pierre-Luc Dubois at the center position, which the Flyers desperately need so bad, a Tarasenko from last year, and the list goes on and on. And if the Flyers weren't willing to pull a trigger on any of those guys, I don't know why a guy like a Chikrin would be attractive to them. I don't know why they'd really do anything at this point. It's just like you have to bottom out, and I think they just have to rebuild through trying to get some of those foundational players in the draft. You know, that's where I'm at. I'm just so defeated with the team is I don't think it's even worth to go after because they had the opportunities, and they weren't even in the running for stuff. They didn't pull the trigger. Nothing happens. and it's the same team. You know, and I don't know. I'm just I'm, I'm just really disappointed and and just defeated, uh, you know, on that front. And like, I don't even get as excited anymore about those trade prospects. No, see, see, Not and that's
0: the I. thing is the, the linchpin to all of this is Claude Giroux, because if Claude Giroux stays and then gets re-signed, I don't see him signing for anything less than six.
1: I think if and he stays, f- he'll be willing to take a pay cut because I don't think he's gonna fucking stick around to look for cash. If he sticks around, he's doing it out of the goodness of his heart because he's an idiot and wants to stick around. I don't think he's doing it to make a payday. You can go to <laughs> yeah. somewhere else and get a payday. No, but if he goes to the Flyers and says, "Give, give me six, six and a quarter,"
0: they'll say yes. They won't yeah, like even. What? They won't even negotiate with. It. They'll be like, "Yeah, okay, sure." But because if that happens, because if that happens. Now you got no cap space to go after anybody. You have no choice but to kind of go all in and make a trade to improve your roster and to give up futures and players on this roster to make that happen because you're not going to be bottoming out. You're not going to be getting those draft picks. So you're going to have to go all in. Whereas if you let him go, and ideally, if that's the case, what they do, then they trade them and they get assets in exchange, mm-hmm. a young player and a draft pick, ideally, yeah. Yeah. then that's where the it would start. And then you at least get some, you know, cap space. And then if a player comes up, that's worthwhile to chase. Then you, then you chase them, But if not, maybe even you weaponize that cap space and you say, you know what? We got JVR here anyway, and we're probably, unless we buy him out, he's stuck here for the next year. I'd rather have a, a guy on a one-year deal that another team just wants to get rid of that money because they want to do something. Take him, be shit next year. And then that's really where all the draft picks and yes. everything are going to start to come in. And I know it sucks to hear that because people don't want to hear about it because we've already been bad for... God, eight, nine years now. But unfortunately, you know what they say, if you're going to do it, you got to do it right. You can't just do it piecemeal. You can't just do it like, you know, and get unprofessional people to do it and then have to call somebody else, you know, six months later and redo it. You know, you got to get it right the first time. Get somebody in there that knows what they want to do and have a plan and figure it out. Mm
2: -hmm. Yeah, they really need to try to, have a long-term plan, like, that. I couldn't agree more many. I, I I think that was exactly spot on. And I look at a GM like a Joe Sakic who did so many things right with the avalanche. Not only did they get some top-end talent in the draft, but they traded away some players, i.e. Matt Duchesne, to another team that could lose for them to reward them with yet another high pick that they turned into Kale McCarr. That is just fantastic GMing, and the Flyers need to do stuff like that. Step one is to get some foundational players. Step two is maybe you trade some guys off and let other teams lose for you, and you can build around those foundational players by letting another team lose. Um, you know That's one of the dynamics that I think Fletcher was going to need to do, or whoever is in here, needs to do if they decide to take this route. Um and <laughs> If they don't, you know, this will be the worst-case scenario. They go through the rest of, you know, another month or two here. They trade uh, Claude Giroux, but they do nothing else. That's it. Like, they, like, recoup a first-round pick with Giroux, and that's, like, their big move to rebuild is to get that extra pick, and there's nothing else with it. In that situation, this team just continues to flounder. <laughs> it's just like, just do something different, please.
1: I think the most telling player at the deadline, that will tell what the Flyers are going to be planning on doing, is not Drew, it's Ristolainen. Because you just gave up a King's Ransom for Ristolainen last summer. So you could flip him. He's been very, very good this year and get more picks. But if you're going to flip Ristolainen for picks, you have no... Ch- you, it's a very good sign you're going to rebuild. Because he's your 2RD. You know, you're going to have to re-sign him. But why would you give up a King's Ransom for a guy just to flip him a year later if you have no plans for him? If he sticks around and they resign him that's probably a pretty good sign that they're not going to tear it down because it doesn't make any yeah. sense to trade wrist yeah. Line and just to then have to go out and give up more assets or picks or more money for somebody like john klingberg you know who's a free agent this summer or uh, trading for another two right-handed defenseman it doesn't make any goddamn sense two summers in a row to dump a whole bunch of cap on uh you know cap and assets on a guy who's your two rd when you have one already in the system so i think wrist Line will be more telling The the, the fate of Ristolain will be more telling as far as what the Flyers' goal is in terms of a rebuild or just going for it.
2: Until this team figures out the center position, they're going nowhere.
1: It doesn't matter what they do.
2: Um, on the wing, it doesn't matter what they do on de- defense. I think defense is actually not too bad this year. I, I, you know, Sands the Ellis injury. I think you know for the most part these players have been pretty good. Proveroff's having a down year, but obviously Sanheim uh, and and Risto have been very good. That's some issues on the bottom pair, but for the most part the defense I think has been decent enough. Um, but until they solve the center position, I don't care what they do, they are going nowhere. So that's where I would start, and that's where the conversation ends I think with them. If if they don't decide to address it, and by all accounts they're not,
1: <laughs> do you believe the Flyers organization has the fucking audacity to be pushing Sean Couturier for the All Star game?
2: I had that in my oh, notes. That's Unbelievable.
1: Of all the fuck, no, granted there are not many players in that fucking team worthy of the All Star game, but uh, Sean Couturier, literally of all people, <laughs> yeah. I don't Carter think he's Hart. even top ten. Carter Hart, maybe Giroux, maybe Atkinson. Beyond that, nobody, nobody. Fucking Sean Couturier.
0: No, And and the weird thing is too, is 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 I think somebody was trying to make it like a movement, like the bag movement. Like, oh yeah guys, let's get on board and let's 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 really push Sean Couturier into oh, the yeah. all-star game. It's like, oh come on, guys. It's like really? fucking geriatric all-star game. Oh no way. I, I gotta say I've never liked that about social media, which is this idea of let's get our fans to just vote and vote and vote to get our guys in the all-star game. I I'm sorry. I always like looking at the all-star game as these are the players that I want to see playing in this game because they're having awesome seasons. Like I want to see Ovechkin at the all-star and obviously he's going to be there, but like you, you go team by team, and I know that I even hate the, every team has to have a guy. You don't want John Scott to beat your all-star game. Well, no, but then that – well, I mean, that was kind of fun, admittedly. But, like, automatically you look at the Coyotes and you go, okay, Shane Bear is going to be their representative because he's their best guy. And then this is just going to fuel the, see, he's an all-star. He's a – he's not an all-star, okay? He is – listen, he is having a good season. I'm not saying that he's not. But you guys are all fooling yourselves if you think that he would have had that season here in Philly because he wasn't he needed a change just like jake voracek i could yell a and scream about this topic for three hours just like paul maurice thought that the jets needed a change do you sense a little bit of a pattern here just like how the flyers <laughs> yeah. needed a change from avianarian like these people are saying on, on twitter sometimes people get bored sometimes people need a new challenge sometimes people get too comfortable shane goss spare needed something different he needs a team where
1: he can be reckless where they've got nothing to fucking lose by putting him out there and accepting his defensive mistakes for christ's sake this guy was here for what six years something like that like we all know he can produce offense that's not a goddamn surprise okay it's the fact that he's a shitty defenseman you can't put him in top. When you're Arizona and you've got nothing to fucking lose deploying Shane Gossesbear, you're going to rack up the points and you're going to fuck up accepting the, the defensive fuck-ups as well. Jesus Christ, is anybody watching these games? You can look up the highlights of Shane Gossesbear falling down in his own zone trying to play defense. He learned that from Travis Sanheim. Yep. Jesus. like who uh, uh, learned that from McDonald's. <laughs> yeah. It's just, Voracek's the same way, oh you know who I really want on this team for years? Patrick Laine! Oh but we can't give up Konechny for Patrick Laine, no! You know what? Laine and Voracek could have been a pair in Philadelphia! But NO! We can't give up Konechny! (laughs) Fuck! Yes, he's succeeding! Great! He has one goal and 20 some assists! Woohoo! Who gives a flying fuck what these people are doing on their past teams? Holy shit! Who cares?
2: I watched the Arizona game. Ryan Hartman needed. A oh,
1: Johnny, and fucking get me started on Ryan Hartman. Of all the fucking people, this fan base is clamming for. God. Ryan Patrick Hartman, Sharp. who's here for fifteen fucking games. <laughs> fucking, we
2: miss Ryan Hartman. Got him back for Wayne Simmons. Yeah. God
1: damn it! The
2: Flyers are missing Tyler Pitlick, though. I hate
0: that oh, narrative too that Tyler picked Pitlick single-handedly would have changed everything. <laughs> it's like the butterfly effect. <laughs> Tyler Pitlick leaves. And that's it. It's like the storm just erupts.
2: Uh, they've got a long way to go boys. They have a long way to go. I, you know, I don't, I don't know what's going to happen with this team, but you know, unless they, unless they pick a direction, like we were saying a few weeks ago, Where a lot of us, and not just on our show, but many different commentators are going to have, we're going to be repeating the same thing until we see some changes around here. Because it, it is so obvious at this point. It is so stupid obvious what needs to happen. I mean, come on. You know, like these guys, it's just, they just keep beating their head against the same brick wall over and over and over again and hoping something changes.
1: Well... I got Ottawa tomorrow. I guess by the time you all listen to this, we'll know the outcome of that game. If it's played, which I assume it will be. (laughs) True. Uh, I got two more games after that before the Christmas break. Washington on Tuesday, Pittsburgh on Thursday. Probably both losses. Let's be real here. And they get a couple days off. Thank Christ. Five days off for Christmas. Uh, 24, 25, 36, to 28. And they pick up against uh, Seattle, San Jose. They play their... You know, that's the uh, their, their West Coast trip. So, get ready for more built-in excuses of we had to travel! So, um, you know, those will probably be all winnable games that they're going to lose. Just like every other fucking game. <sighs> yeah. <laughs> um, Let's see. This goes up Sunday, so I believe noah monday anthony tuesday frequent flyer no flyer side chat god damn it on wednesday and then another flyer's video on thursday christmas show goes up friday uh so there you go at dan the flyer fan at brotherly puck at brotherly underscore pod at heart countdown underscore uh you know if he wins a game or two or you know that poor bastard deserves so much better but uh manny we can find you on twitter
0: at Manny Benavides and articles, as always, on brotherlypuck.com.
2: Mike. At flyer underscore AF on Twitter. Find me there. I will see you shortly.
1: All right, everybody. Until next time, goodbye and good night.